How many of you, you know, like many times, especially depending on your background, but we're called faith people. How many of you have ever been called a faith person? Like, oh, you're one of those faith people, one of those name it and claim it kind of people, one of those people that just think you can say what God says and you get it. Well, yes, I, I am that person. And, uh, you know, but, but even knowing that, how many of you have ever kind of felt like maybe you weren't as much of a faith person as you would like to be? You're like, man, I, 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 you know, I, I would like to be, I just don't always feel like I am. Well, I have good news for you tonight. You're a faith person. You're somebody who stands upon the word of God and God acts based off of the word on our behalf. It's not because necessarily anything inherently about us is great or different, but I am a faith person. I believe, and I want that reputation. I don't want to be a fear person. Oh, that person over there, man, that that pastor, man, he's got that spirit of fear on him. I don't want that to be my reputation. Man, that guy over there, man, he worries. Golly. That lady, man, she's just anxious all the time. I don't want that to be my reputation. I don't want that to be your reputation. I want us to have the reputation that, man, them people walk with the Lord. When they pray, things begin to happen. I mean, like, it seems like whatever they, whatever they ask for God, he's just like, okay. Yeah, that's the way I want our reputation to be. Man, God just likes them more or something. I don't know. They just walk in blessing that's unusual. Amen. Why can't we be that way? You know, and, and the Bible actually talks about this and that we are as believers to have a reputation. Now, it should be a good reputation, but there are some specific things about it. And, and this is really uh, what I want to share with you tonight is, uh, and so I titled it this, is that fresh faith for a fresh season. You know, and there are times, you know, just as Paul told Timothy, he said, look, you've got to stir up the gift on the inside of you. Don't forget about those things that were spoken over. But sometimes you've got to stir up your faith, too. You've got to remind yourself on whom you have believed sometimes. And, uh, you know, and so I want to share some things with you tonight uh, along these lines. And, and I believe partly uh, just because it is the first of the year, but also we're getting ready to step into our 21 days of seeking the Lord and really getting God's agenda. And uh, how many of you know that God's agenda is more important than our agenda? And uh, so there's some things the Lord's put in my heart to be sharing with you over the next couple of weekends. Um, really, it's not about fasting at all, necessarily, uh, you know, but it's just a, uh, but I believe it is about how we live our lives. And, uh, you know, and so uh, here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, very familiar passage of scripture for many of you, but, and I'm not going to take time to unpack all of this stuff, but I really want to point out one thing, uh, one specific thing uh, as we kind of get into what the Lord put in my heart for you tonight. It says here in verse 1, it's now dependent. faith shows the reality of what we hope for. Now, depending on, you may be King James or New King James, identify, and you're like, ah, no. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I mean, you know, so we understand this, and it says that faith shows the reality of what we hope for. How many of you realize that your faith cannot produce what you don't actually have the belief or the actual hope? Let me say it this way, that you don't have a picture in your heart that you can actually see the thing that you're believing for. In other words, hope precedes faith. Faith has to come after hope. Why? Because if there's no hope, there's nothing for faith to give substance to. So it's an important element here. 
But it says it is the evidence of things not seen. In other words, I have to have hope, which is what? A confident expectation that God is working for me. That there is something good ahead for me. That's hope. Dismay is, I think everything is rolling downhill. That's, That's not what the Bible says. Faith does not show the reality of our dismay. Faith shows the reality or faith produces the reality of our hope. Now, anytime that we're believing God for anything, according to what Scripture says here, it didn't become mine the moment that it appeared in reality. Faith perceives as real fact, the Amplified says, the Amplified Bible says, faith perceives as real fact what is yet to be revealed to the senses. So if I'm going to receive anything from the Lord... I have to get to a place where I can see it in my heart and it belongs to me long before or at least before it produces itself in reality in this world. How many of you know that you can be believing for healing, but just because you have symptoms in your body, according to scripture, you were healed over 2000 years ago. So what do we do to bring ourselves and our lives and our bodies in alignment with what God has already established God is not waiting to heal us. We are healed. Now, we have symptoms in our bodies. I had symptoms about a week ago. Had some sore throat and some congestion and stuff draining. I didn't lack faith. I live in a fallen world. So that shouldn't discourage me. It shouldn't discourage you. That's why we have faith. Have you ever thought about that? If we had no challenge, we wouldn't need faith. Why do you think the Bible talks so much about faith? Because we need faith. Why? Because we have an enemy. Well, you know, and so it's something that we have to know. And it says is that faith shows the reality of what we've hoped for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Verse 2, it says, through their faith, the people of in days of old earned a good, what's that word say? Reputation. By faith, they earned a good reputation. Oh, Moses, he's one of them faith people. He just walk up to a river and hold up a stick. I ain't walking in the mud. You know, that's probably what it looks like to someone who doesn't understand that God is moving. But you know what? It didn't matter how it worked, how it came about. The facts were he still walked on dry ground. And so even for us, if we're not careful, we can allow... Let me say it this way. If we're not careful, we can be faith-shamed. Even from other believers. Now look, and I understand where some of the shame comes from. Because there have been abuses. Sure. Of course. Show me anything that has not been abused ever in human history. Let's throw that out too. Because we can all just... I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. But it doesn't mean that. So, But we have to be careful. I'm tired of hearing you talk about the word of God. I'm tired of hearing you declaring God's. Well, quit listening. Yeah, put some headphones in. Why? Because what other choice do I have? I'm a person of faith and I want that reputation. And that I'm going to live by the goodness of God. I'm going to see God work on on my behalf. 
And so it goes on here in verse 3 and it says, By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. And what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Other translations would say it this way, is that God formed the universe by his words. Now, when you go look in Genesis, I've shared this many times, but I love this where it talks about that when God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. When you go study that out, it actually says, let us make man as a speaking, creating spirit, just like we are. Let us make man as a creating, speaking spirit. How did God create the universe? Through words. Through, the, through what he said. Well, if we're made in the image of God, are we not going to create our own world? Through our words as well? The Bible says there that God framed. If you know anything about building, before you can have a house, you have to have a frame. Because you've got to have something to put, do what? To put drywall to. You can't have walls without some studs. That's the frame. You don't get to enjoy your kitchen countertops or kitchen cabinets without something to attach them to. You don't get to enjoy your shower or a bath until someone builds you a space to go enjoy that. Well, our word and our life, if you will, can be framed. And I'm going to say it this way. Your life will be framed by your words. So the question is not, will it happen? The question is, is how? How will your life be framed by your words? Because that's what's more important for us. It's not just if, because it's a fact. God said it. It's a fact. And and so we understand these things. and, And so, you know, at the most basic level, faith is this. It's believing that what God has said to us is fact. You know, there was a, a, a phrase that used to, I used to hear a lot more is that God settles it and I believe it and that settles it. That settles it for me. I, I, I don't, it's non-negotiable. This isn't up for debate. This is what the word of God promises. This is what God says for us. And it, it's regardless of what we may perceive in this natural realm. It doesn't mean that I live in denial, but I live based off of a different truth. I'm not denying facts. Faith does not deny your present situation. I didn't walk around saying, oh, man, I feel great. My throat hurts. My sinuses are draining. But the power of God is at work in me. And it's bringing health and healing to my body. I'm not denying my circumstance. But I'm just saying, hey, I acknowledge that. It's a temporary circumstance. This may be reality, but that reality has to change according to God's word. Why? Because that's God's word to me. That's God's promise to us. So I want to I share this statement with you. And I, I love the, the way that I believe the Lord just prompted me with this statement. And uh, so this is concerning you, this for you this year, I believe. But I, 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 and I thought of different ways, and I just went back to the way that it originally came up in my heart. Is that it's time for some of you to challenge your challenges. It's time to challenge your challenges. Your limitations. One of my alternate ways of saying this is to say it this way. Is you need to bully your bullies. Well how do you. You need to challenge those things that have been challenging you. 
Well, how do you do this? It's by faith in God. It's not just having faith as some obscure thing. It's very specific. My faith is in God. But it is time. There are areas of your life, areas of my life, where it's time to challenge things and not just accept things. No, I'm going to fight. I'm going to press for what God has promised me. You know, in James chapter 4, verse 7, we read and it says that we're to resist the devil and he will flee. Okay, well, how do you resist? I mean, we can quote that scripture all day long, but how? I mean, I can tell my wife I love her, but at some point she's going to say, why don't you show me some love? Well, okay, how do we resist the devil? It's by faith. How do I resist sickness? It's by faith in the word of God. I declare the truths of God's word. When insecurity comes and I recognize it, I go to the word of God and say, Devil, the word says in Philippians that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens, equips, or empowers me to accomplish his will. I lack in no area to do anything that God has called me. What did I just do? I resisted insecurity. I can do all things because Christ, the risen Messiah, lives and resides on the inside of me. I have his spirit through the person of the Holy Spirit. If Christ can do it, I can do it. That's just that faith talk. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I'm not going to apologize for that. Who do you think you are? A blood-bought child of God? I didn't save me. He did. I didn't qualify me. You didn't qualify you. God himself qualified us and says, I want you as mine. Well, we should walk in what he has provided for us. So we resist the devil by, you, by using or applying our faith. The Bible actually, another translation says that he would run in stark terror. He ain't afraid of us. But he is afraid of who we are. And where we sit, which is at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says that we're in the same seat with Jesus. I love the way my pastor in Kansas used to illustrate this. He said, it's not like there's Jesus' throne and a bunch of little thrones beside his. There's one seat. It's the seat of power and of authority that Christ sits in. And the Bible says we are seated or placed with him right now in heavenly places. Well, when you think this way, it will actually change the way you think. It will change the way you respond. It it will. And, you know, I'll give you just kind of a funny example, but it comes to mind right now. Have you ever seen the movie The Nutty Professor? You know that scene where they're all around the dinner table and the grandma gets all crazy and she's like, you may walk over here, but you're going to limp back. That's how we ought to approach the devil. I'm not afraid of you. But come on, walk over here, but you're going to go home with a limp. You're going to remember that I thumped you on the way. Because I'm going to resist you, not just in word, but also in power. This is who we are called. This is our reputation. 
So we stand in faith believing that God is faithful to us. He's faithful to his word. We do our part and God does his part. That's the way this thing works. God didn't ask me to make all this stuff happen. He simply said, believe. Believe me. Do your part that you need to do. And I will do my part. Over in Matthew chapter 11, very familiar passage of scripture for many of you. Verse 22, it says, and let me give you a little context. Jesus walks by a fig tree one day. It had no figs. He says, I curse you. No one will ever eat fruit of you again. Now, if you go read it, actually, the way it happened, I believe he just said it as he was walking. He didn't stop and make a big scene. Well, the next day, they come walking back by. The bush is dead. Of course, Peter's like, Jesus, do you remember? I don't think Jesus paid any attention to it. I think Peter drew attention to it because he's like, hey, I heard you yesterday say that that thing would never give fruit. It's dead today. I imagine in my sarcastic mindset that Jesus is like, yeah. Why wouldn't it? It's what I said. So in verse 22, Jesus says to the disciples, have faith in God. He says, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Now, some of you may wonder, how in the world do I get to a place where I have faith and I don't have doubt? It is fairly simple. You have to meditate on God's word. Now, because I say it's fairly simple doesn't mean that it just comes easily. But it, let me say it this way. You have to fix your focus. This is what I'm focused on. This is what I'm believing. This is what I'm seeking and asking of the Lord. And it's not just my opinion. It's his opinion that what he said he would do for me. So I'm standing upon God's word. So I, I speak God's word. I declare it over my life. I confess it over me and my family and, and everything that comes into my sphere of influence. I'm going to speak the word of God over it. Why? Because and the more you speak it, what happens? Faith begins to grow. Let me say it this way. Is that the more that you declare God's promises over your life, the more in focus and clear they become in your heart. You ever like look to one? Of, you ever gone to one of those? Uh, I don't know what they're even called the telescope looking things. You know, like you go to a big scenic place and they got the big old looking machine. You lean over and you can make it focus. See, I, I believe part of what this is saying is that that if, if you it says have faith in God, it says but if you really believe it will happen. If you have no doubt in your heart, I think sometimes we have doubt because of the picture in our heart is not very clear of what we've been believing for. It's a little fuzzy. Well, how do we get it? Focused. You know, you take those little knobs on that thing and you roll them until what? The picture gets clear. I get that. I get the faith picture clear in my heart. Why? Because I keep confessing and declaring God's word over my circumstance. Every time, let me say it this way: Every time you declare God's promises over every any one of your um, challenges, you're resisting the devil in that area of your life. Every time. Devil, I'm going to give you a, 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 oh, a, I can't even think of the right word, like a preemptive strike. I'm not even sick, but you know what? I thank you that I'm the healed of the Lord, yeah. that my body is strong. Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel great. Yeah. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Yeah. 
I will run and I will not faint. I will not grow tired and I will not go, grow weary. Why? Because I have a race to run and I'm going to need some energy to run that race. So the Lord, he sustains me. Not sleep, not food, not anything else. The Lord sustains me. You start talking like that and all of a sudden you're going to be like, the Lord does sustain me. I do look young today. <laughs> Not in an arrogant, prideful way, but what happens? That faith picture becomes more clear. And all of a sudden, oh, it's more than just a confession. This is who I am. This is who I'm supposed to be. And Romans 10, 17, we know it. Faith comes by hearing. Let me add something to it. Faith comes by hearing and grasping or bringing into focus God's word. Another way to say this is this, is that you will have what you say. You will have what you say. Now, this is a principle. Let me say it this way. It's a law. I didn't say this. God said this. Well, God makes laws. I, I, you, me, you, anybody can say, I don't believe gravity is real. Show me. Just start floating. Why? It's a law. I don't get to violate it. Can I get separation from earth for a moment? It's called jumping. I can get my feet up, but guess what? Gravity, which is a law, says, no, I govern the earth. And the only way to violate that law is to leave the parameters which hold that law in place. So in other words, I've got to go to space to violate gravity. I have to get outside of its influence... We have to leave earth, get into space, and now we can float. So here, the principle is you can have what you say. And I would even go a step You will have what you say. Why? Because it's a law. What you really believe is what comes out of your mouth in abundance. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. It's it's just a law. See, our power or our words have power to create. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20. It says, wise words satisfy like a good meal. Wise words satisfy, right words bring satisfaction. Verse 21, many of you know this. It says, the tongue can bring death or life. And those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Good, one translation adds, for the good or the bad. Death and life. Blessing or cursing. It's right here. I mean, James 3 talks about this. Who can tame the tongue? Man, it's a restless evil. It's full of all kinds of iniquity. But then he says, but brethren, should fresh water and salt water flow from the same fountain? What's he saying? As believers, should you sound like the, Lord, like the world? No, I don't want to be a worldly Christian. I want to be a faith-filled, God-fearing Christian. Well, that means that it should actually change the way that I talk. Now, in fairness, I'm not talking about fake to people 
Oh, man, I'm just so full of faith, I can't talk like a normal human being. How many of y'all have been around somebody like that? I'm like, let's just talk. Like, you're a normal person. You don't talk this way at work. And I've talked about this before. How you doing? I heard you've been sick. Oh, I'm the healed of the Lord. You've been sick as a dog. Now, you know, because people get all paranoid. Oh, well, you can't say it. You can't say it. The reality is the reality. And especially if you want people to believe with you, you need to give them the full story. Not half of it. Well, if you're doing better, I'm going to quit praying. Oh, don't, don't do that. Dear Lord, don't quit praying for me. I need prayer. Well, what you need prayer for? Well, you know, I got some symptoms. Did I not just ask you? I'm going to move on. I'm already getting off in a mess, but. So let me give it to you another way. I I love the way that this came up in my heart today when it talks about the life or the, the tongue can bring death or life. I got a question for you. Is your confession a building crew? Is it a construction crew? Or is it a wrecking ball? Which one? Is your confession, are the words that you're saying, are they building or are they destroying? I don't want my words to be a wrecking ball. Is there a wake of destruction everywhere that I go because of how I communicate with other people? Because I'm destroying with the words that I say to them. Or am I encouraging and uplifting and and believing the best in people and encouraging them? I want my words to bring life not just to me but to others. I don't want to look back and see turmoil and chaos and destruction and say, man, I just did that with words. Proverbs 18.20, wise words satisfy like a good meal. It's like I was talking about my friend the other day. He just encouraged me. He didn't say anything amazing. It wasn't like, David, I have a word from the Lord. He just encouraged me. Just, you know, telling me, it's kind of funny, telling me my own story. I know, I lived it. I don't need you to tell me about it, but you know what? It was good to my heart. He was just reminding me. And you took a step here and God moved. You took a step here and God moved. And You know, and it just encouraged me. Well, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. So we're going to practice this for a moment. And then I got one thing that I want to share with you before we leave tonight. Because what good is confession if you don't confess? All right, so I'm going to say it, and then you're going to repeat it. All right, so I'm going to give you a couple. You're like, well, I don't know what confession means. You're about to practice. So you're going to get an idea, okay? So... Say this after me. I'm strong in the Lord by the power of his might. We're going to say that one again. I just like it. I'm strong in the Lord by the power of his might. I have all surpassing peace because I know the Prince of Peace. I am the healed of the Lord. Because Christ 
Died for, so that I can be well. Sorry, I messed up my rhythm there. Here's another one. Increase comes to my house. Because my God supplies my every need. Now, do you feel better than you did two, moment, two minutes ago? Where, was not everything that you just said from the Word of God? I mean, it does something in your heart to speak. And, and it's more than just meditation. Because if we're not careful, we'll just make the Word of God meditation, thought, quiet. But it becomes creative when we begin to speak. Something happens. I mean, I've said this many times. Is there is no more dominant voice in your life than your own. You could hear me preach until you wear out a podcast. You still have more power by the words that you speak than if you put this message on repeat for the rest of your life. You are the most powerful voice in your life. So something happens when I can stand up here and cheer you on and say, you're awesome, you're amazing, and God loves you, and God has a plan for you, and God will provide for you, and God would heal you, and, and I can preach till I pass out. When you begin to declare that, it takes on a whole new meaning. It does. So my, here's, and I ask you, I mean, I pretty much ask you this in some way at the beginning of every year. What specifically are you believing God for this year? Now, not in some generic way out there. I mean, like specifically. The list should not be long. Make it targeted. Very specific. And here's the important part. Make it a targeted list that you'll cover with prayer. That's an important part. It's not just a wish list. It's not like, hey, Santa, here's my wish list. Have I been good enough this year? God is not in heaven making a list of naughty and nice. He, he's not. So, we, But we have to cover it with prayer and God's word continually. Have to. Now, let me just give you the practice I believe so strongly in. You know, this last one that I said, because people can say this and you can declare this. It said, increase comes to, my, comes to my house because my God supplies my every need. Can I give you the practical side of this? Some of this I heard the other day from somebody else. And I thought, man, that's so good. But let me give you a practical example of what this would actually look like. Because we do have our part in this. So increase comes to my house. Okay, well, order precedes blessing. We see that throughout Scripture. God brought order to the universe. Everything went to pot when we, Genesis 1, 1, 1, 2. Everything went from perfect and beautiful to a state of chaos. What happened? Things got out of order. The garden and, and the garden of Eden was beautiful when things were in order. God had to remove them when things got out of order. So for blessing to come, order has to be established. First, then blessings can come. And, and so, it, you know... It, Specifically, and I want to give you an example of this, is in the area of believing God for financial provision. Here's some important things that if you're going to say, man, I'm believing God for provision. You know, I like to watch the show Shark Tank. I just, it's, a learn, it's education for me. You know, I mean, it really is. I love to 
not so much watch the show for the stuff. I like to listen for the questions that the, that the sharks ask. Because I'm like, that's a curious question to ask. You know, I just, uh, it's interesting to me. But, it's, but it is important for us to know certain things. But one of the big questions that they ask, and one of the ways that those guys get the most frustrated, is when they ask the question, what's your numbers? What's your sales? I don't care if you got the greatest product since Plato. Is anybody buying it? Right? Why? Because numbers matter, right? Order precedes blessing. So, maybe a specific area like financial provision. Okay, that's great. God wants you blessed. But let me ask you some questions. How much money do you have? Like right now. Could you tell me? Not that I would, but do you know? Do you know how much money you have? Do you know how much money you owe? How much debt you got? I'm believing God to get out of debt. Not if you don't know how much debt you got. Why? Because that's unordered. You're not asking God for provision. Why? Because vision or provision is what? For a vision, for a purpose. I mean, when the Lord told me to get out of debt, I knew it to the dollar, to the, to the change. Why? Because God, I'm believing to get out of debt. Okay. God, I'm believing you for exactly this much money. Because I have a vision of what it will look like. I have a picture of what, how much freer I will be when I'm debt free. I have a picture in my heart of that. But this is what it's going to take for me to get there. God, I'm believing you for a house. Well, great. What's it going to look like? What you want in it? I, got a, I, I need a new car. You just want any new car? I mean, because you could get somebody else's hoopty that's new to you. That ain't the new car I want. Right? I mean, be specific about it. So, how much money you got? How much do you owe? Now, here's an interesting question. This is something I heard the other day, and I was like, I have never thought about this question. How much money do you and your family need to live this year? How much money does it take for you to live? Now, I didn't ask you how much money you made. I asked you, how much money do you need? Because how much you need and how much you make may not be the same thing. And it may create this thing called lack. I make X number of dollars, but the problem is I need $5,000 more than that for this year. Great. Now you know, God, I need to believe you for $5,000 to come from somewhere because I don't know where it's coming from. But God, you said you would provide my need. And now I know that I'm going to be $5,000 short if, if you don't help me in some way. So do you know what it costs you to live? That's another way of saying, do you got a budget? So you got to know your numbers. Now we're believing God for financial provision. But what happens is that many times live their, live, people live their life this way when it comes to the area of finances. And they say, well, I'm believing God for provision. And really they've misstated it. Because what they're really asking for is a miracle. They're asking for a bailout. God, help me. God, I got in this mess, and I don't know how. Well, here's the problem. If you don't know how you got there, you're bound to repeat it. So even if God were to deliver you, it's just a matter of time before you're going to be there. Why? Because it's like what Dave Ramsey said. 
Money is more about behavior than it is knowledge. It's what you do with your money that creates this situation. God's not mad at anybody. Look, I have debt just like anybody else, but I am believing God to get back out of debt. I'm not less of a Christian because I have bills. Okay, but how do I move forward? So you've got to know your numbers. And, and this is why it's important so that you can accurately believe God. I mean, like, let's just be real about it. Let's just say that you said, hey, I'm believing God. I need $10,000 to get out of debt. Somebody walks up to you and says, God told me to give you $10,000. And you go home and you're like, Dad, Gummit, I had $25,000 in debt. Why didn't I believe God for that? God blessed you with what you asked for, but because you didn't ask accurately, you missed out. I mean, now that would still, you know, I'm not going to get into all that, but so we need accurate information. I mean, if you're dealing with symptoms in your body, go to a doctor and find out what's going on. Now I know. Man, I was hurting back here, but it's something over here. Well, you need to know that. Lord, take this pain from this side. Well, it may not be over here. It might be something over here that's causing it. It could be some nerve. Thing, but if you don't know, well, Lord, just heal me. Lord, just heal me. Lord, just heal me. Go find that out. Without accurate information... You're not really believing for provision. You are asking for a miracle. The Bible says that God's people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding. So it's important for us to realize this. So this is my challenge for you as we start off this new year. So I want you to make up your mind right now. Make it up. Nobody else can make it for you. It ain't like somebody else, you know, like for me, my wife can make up my bed. She cannot make up my mind. No matter how much she tries. I have this crazy thing called a will. That she can't overcome. Now I can choose to give of my will. But she can't force me to do anything. You can't force anybody to do anything. You can't force yourself to do nothing. I can't. Wish I could sometimes. But no, I've got to believe God in areas. So we have to make up our mind, not that, hey, man, this is just the way it's going to be. And, but at the same time, you do need a picture. Man, what are you believing God for? You need fresh faith. There may be some things that, that you need to stir up your faith in and begin to believe God for. Maybe just through time and circumstances or whatever it may be that you've lost that zeal and that passion. And really, maybe even just the words of your mouth. They'd be, at one time, they were building, but now they've become destructive. You know, a wrecking ball has a chain connected to it. That ball sitting on the ground doesn't have any power until that thing starts swinging. Cut the chain. If your words have become destructive, stop. Change. That's what the word repent means. It's to stop and turn around and go a different direction. You may just say, Lord, I plead the blood over all that dumb stuff I've been saying. I'm sorry. I realize I've been saying and speaking and declaring things over my life. And I don't want the fruit that those words would produce. So I'm going to ask you to cover them in the blood of Christ. And I'm going to move in a new direction, a different direction. 
So the choice is yours. Are you going to believe God with fresh passion and desire this year? Now you've got to settle what you're believing God for. You've got to write it down. You know, here a couple weeks ago, I went to Lake Charles to get away uh, and pray. Like I said, I actually went to visit uh, also with Pastor John Welch, who's one of my, what I call my pastoral counsel. He's one of the pastors I'm accountable to. There are people I call when I got questions. And he made a statement while I was there. I sat in on some meetings that he had had with his staff and this and that. But he made the statement. He said, if it ain't written, it doesn't matter. If it's not written, it doesn't matter. If it matters, write it down. If God puts things in your heart and as you seek him and ask him about, what do I need to be believing you for this year? Write it down. Keep it in front of you. Confess what God says about your situation. Take steps along the way by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Faith is not just one day you arrive. I don't know that I've ever arrived anywhere when it comes to the area of seeking God specifically through faith. But what I have learned is that the Holy Spirit will say, take a step. Okay, take a step. Okay, take a step. Okay, do this. Do this. And it's amazing how little steps become an answer. Rarely do I just open up my eyes and boom, there's my answer. It usually doesn't happen like that. God gives me one step, one step, and one step. I mean, like, you know, I've been talking about financial provision. God's first step could be this simple. Stop worrying. Stop, stop allowing it to rob you of your peace because anything that robs your peace has power over you. So stop worrying. Don't allow that anxiety to flood your thoughts and your mind. Every time you go to the mailbox, you're like, oh gosh, don't let another bill be today. When a bill comes, you ain't got money for it. You ought to say, praise God. I have an opportunity to believe God. I have an opportunity to see God work on my behalf because God, you know, I ain't got money for this. But God, I thank you that you're faithful to me. And I refuse to allow discouragement to rob me of my faith, to rob me of my joy, to rob me of my peace. Because my daddy has everything that I have need of. And he will generously supply not just enough, but more than enough. So this challenge now becomes an opportunity for some praise. Why? Because my God supplies. Now I'm going to do the natural things. I'm going to do my part. But I'm going to believe God to make up the difference. And I'm going to see God work on my behalf. So we take steps along the way by the leading of the Holy Spirit. One of the things I've learned about following the leading of the Spirit is that many times they seem not all that important necessarily. Now there are times where it's like, oh my gosh, that's a big one. But usually it's little things. He's like, do this. Don't do this. Don't buy that. So here. Oh, okay. Little stuff. And those are more obvious than many times. But when I look back, I'm like, that was the Holy Spirit that was there. And he was there. And he told me here. And he told me there. And he walked with me. You know, the Bible says he's the guide. He leads us. He guides us. So we have to learn how to walk step in step with him. And if we'll do these things, then we'll get to watch God bring about his will to pass in our life. And that's the joy that we get. It's not just, man, that I'm this great man of faith and power and all. 
don't want to just proclaim who I am. I want to have a reputation where other people proclaim how I live my life. That guy loves God. That guy loves people. That guy lives by faith. He's the real deal. He's he's authentic and, and, and who he is. He's not one way at church and another way somewhere else. He's the that's a man of God. That's who I want to be. Through and through, I, I don't want to change. I don't want to be any different. I just want to be who God's called me to be, and I want to grow in that. And I want to be consistent in doing that. And that's, who, that's what I want my reputation. That's what I want your reputation. That's what I want the reputation of our church to be. And they're people of faith. They believe God for some crazy stuff. God just keeps doing it. I don't want our church to, to have more impact in us to be able to say, oh, here's A, B, C, and D of how we did it. Y'all go do that. I want us to be able to step back and be like, look what the Lord has done. Because this is crazy. We're not this smart. We're not this good. But look what God did. Look what we got to be a part of. Simply because we lived by faith. We can do that as a church, as a church family, but you can also do that as an individual. And that ought to be our reputation. We want to be like those of old. It says, man, they had a reputation of being people of faith. It is who we are. But when we live out and we walk according to God's word, he will produce what he said he would do for us. And he will do it for you. So here's, I'll recap with this because I just thought it was a cool way of saying it. The words that you speak, are they building? Are they tearing things up? Is it like a big old wrecking ball just destroying stuff? Or by your words, you're sending out divine impartation, divine ability to go to work on your behalf to start to begin and to, to frame up the world and the life that God has for you. Much of that can happen right there with the words that you speak. Change many times begins in any area of our life with the words that we say. Because we will have what we say. This is the life that we're called to. It's the life of faith. But when we live it out, it will produce for us. God will be faithful to you. That's God's desire. So tonight, before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you just to...